the biggest is, you know, failing to plan. No planning goes into taxes. You know, it's like their biggest expense, but they think of it, oh, God, if I talk to that accountant, it's only going to cost me money. When I say, you know what, it should be, you know, speaking with your accountant should really be a income item. So, so that's the biggest, you know, just failing to plan, failing to communicate. And, you know, the doctor doesn't call you up and say, how are you feeling today? You have to go to the doctor for your checkup. Welcome to Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. G'day, g'day, guys, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate. From Los Angeles, I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, as you know, it is my job to explore, dissect, and interview the cream of the crop real estate investors, business owners, and entrepreneurs here in the United States. There is no BS on this show, just in-depth conversations about successfully investing in the U.S. and how you go about doing it to create long-term wealth and financial freedom. I want you all to be educated when it comes to investing here in the United States, and it starts by you tuning in each and every week to increase your financial IQ. Remember to hit subscribe on iTunes or wherever you podcast to be notified each and every week when a cracking episode is released. If you do like this show, please give us a review on iTunes and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching Reed Goosens. Now before we dive into today's show and introduce you to the cracking entrepreneur, I want to announce that I have a new website. I'm pretty uh, stoked about this new website and the podcast will be hosted up on my personal website which is going to be reedgoosens.com. Head over there, you're going to find out a lot more about me, what makes me tick, my services and you're also going to find a ton of free information, educational blogs, videos and webinars. Remember, remember, head over to reedgoosens.com. Okay, one last thing. If you are listening to this on iTunes, but you want to see what we look like, what I look like, what my awesome guests look like, then head over to YouTube because we are starting to record these interviews using video, using the Zoom link. So head over to youtube.com, search for Reed Goosens, and you'll be able to find all my videos of episodes that we have recorded via the Zoom link. All right, guys, enough out of me. Let's get cracking into today's show. Today on the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with Craig Cody, taxation expert. Craig is a certified tax coach, certified public accountant, business owner, and former New York City police officer with 17 years on the force. In addition to being a certified public accountant for the past 15 years, he is also a certified tax coach. And as a certified tax coach, Craig belongs to a select group of taxation practitioners throughout the country who undergo extensive training and continued education on various planning techniques and strategies to become certified. With this organization, Craig has co-authored an Amazon best-selling book called Secrets of a Tax-Free Life, which is what we're going to be talking about today on today's show. So without further ado, let's get him out here. G'day, Craig. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much for having me. My pleasure, mate. Where are you dialing in from today? 
I'm actually in Manhasset, New York, which is about uh, 20 miles uh, outside of Midtown Manhattan. Nice. I lived in New York for two and a half years. It is my spiritual second home. I love that place. Uh, my, 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 my fiance brought me back to the to the West Coast here in Los Angeles. Not a bad place to live, but uh, I always try to get back to New York as much as I can. It's just something about that city that makes the, you get excited and send chills down your spine every time you're flying into JFK, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I still enjoy going in. You nice. Know, and, uh, there's a nice selection of food also. Yeah, great great eateries. I, I love getting out there and getting involved in the food. But mate, before we dive into the nuts and bolts of today's show, I wanted to you know get you to elaborate a little bit more on your background. You're, you're a police officer in the New York City Police Department, which is incredible. And then sort of give us the sort of the, the chronological order, how you got involved in, in taxation planning, because you know not everyone will just be a police officer and jump straight into taxation. So how did that work in, in, in your background? Well, originally, uh, I wasn't supposed to become a police officer. I was uh, an economics major, and um, I went to school for that. And uh, about two years into it, I did what everybody else in my neighborhood did. It was a kind of a blue-collar area. You took whatever civil service exams were around. I took the uh, police exam. My dad was a police officer. And I really didn't think much of it and kind of started going through the various uh, hoops that they make you jump through. And at some point, I kind of said, you know what, um, you know, they'll stop me out at like $24,000 a year. So I want to, I want to try this. <laughs> so uh, I, I did that, and uh, I loved it, and uh, I got promoted fairly quickly, and I was going to go on to be a chief. And, um, you know, civil services, you have to wait for the exam. And I right. had to wait 10 years for an exam. So, you know, in 10 years, a lot happens. Uh, you know, married, kids, and um, – you know, your outlook changes. And I said, okay, I, I need to think of something else to do when, you know, when my time is up. Uh, I went back to school for uh, accounting and figured, okay, I'll, I'll become an accountant. And I'll set myself apart from the other financial advisors because at the time I wanted to go into financial advisory and I'll become a CPA. And then I could say I'm not the typical retired cop that goes into financial advisory. And uh, I went to work for an accounting firm and I really loved it. And um, Took off from there, and uh, I did that for a while, and then I slowly ventured off on my own. And um, then in 2007, you know, things changed, and I uh, needed to remake things, and um, started looking at, you know, what we did for clients and how we could do them do different, and um, got into tax planning. Nice, nice stuff. Well, let's firstly congratulations for making that mental leap. I'm sure coming to the end of your you know, career on the force, it would have been hard. I'm sure you would have struggled a little bit with like what to do and go back to school. That's that's pretty that's pretty crazy, you know, given with kids and all that sort of stuff. So, how did you how did you handle that first and foremost before we dive into the the nuts and bolts of today's show? Uh, that that was somewhat easy. I found the school that was right on the way home. It was right off the highway, mm-hmm. so I passed it every day. So it wasn't like I had to go way out of my way. And um, I was lucky. I worked for people that uh, were you know, allowed me to uh, have some flexibility with my schedule. I did a lot of different things. I wasn't on patrol, you know, that whole time. And, um, you know, it it just, I made it work. You know, when you want something bad enough and you tell enough people about it, then you have to do it. Exactly. And I think that you said you hit the nail on the head. You made it work and you did whatever it took 
to get it done and to educate yourself on, on taxation, which is absolutely incredible. And I want to add that you're actually the second police officer I've had on the show, a former police officer. I had uh, Brian Burke on a few weeks ago. He's a multifamily investor now. But um, uh, it seems to be a trend that people go on to from the police force into uh, you know financial advising or investing or something to do with creating more wealth for themselves. So, so very well done to you. Um, but I want to do dive into today's nuts and bolts of today's show, which is understanding the secrets of a tax-free life. So before we dive into the real, real nitty-gritty, from a high 30,000-foot level, why is it so important for, for the, the average Joe out there and the average gal to be educated on taxation and how to, you know, and be more knowledgeable about it? Because there's, you know, the average person just walks around thinking they've got to pay taxes every year. It's 33% or if you earn more, it's more than that. But what is the what's your advice to people to say, you know, stop, you know, don't 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 listen to the norm and get out there and start being educated? Well, you know, like you said, paying a third of everything you make to the government, you know, um, is is a lot of money to pay. And if if you want to increase your income, and you know, probably the hardest thing to do is to go out there and get new clients if you're in business or or new buildings. That's the hardest thing to do. Um, Maybe a little bit easier to do is to figure out ways to reduce your taxable income so you keep more of what you make. You know, um, and then I guess the, the one thing after that would be, you know, just sell more to your existing clients. So I, I think if people just took some more time and worked with a, a professional who was into communicating and being proactive, you know, they'd be able, be able to keep more of what they make. Right, right. And so talk to me about what is the proactive tax planning and how can you minimize your taxes as a business, um, you know, growing here in the United, investing here in the United States? Okay. So, you know, most accountants are really good at putting the right numbers in the right boxes. You know, you know, from a compliance standpoint, you know, they got that covered. But they're doing that and they're looking in a rearview mirror. It's, you know, they're recording history. When you're proactive, you're making history. You're saying, okay, what am I doing? What can I do a little bit differently and what can I take advantage of in the tax code that's going to allow me to save taxes? So um, that's what proactive tax planning is. And it's really about communication. Most accountants you talk to tax planning is, okay, we're going to meet in December. We're going to figure out how much money you made, how much you've paid in estimated taxes, what your tax bill is going to look like. And now you need to make an X amount of dollar payment by January 15th. That's what they consider tax planning. Whereas for us, tax planning is looking at what's going on, doing an analysis and seeing where there are opportunities uh, and mistakes to um, create wealth. And in talking about the opportunities of a business or, or in real estate investing, what are those sort of give us a few examples of basic, you know, not mistakes, but basic principles that you're impl- uh, implementing or strategies that you're implementing into the everyday business that they can help them for, as you say, look forward and not look in the review vision mirror. So let, let's let's talk about people in the real estate industry. All right, um, cost segregation. You know, most residential real estate is written off over twenty to seven and a half years. Commercials thirty nine years. People people buy a building. You know, they give their paperwork to their accountant at some point. Um, they figure out what's the land worth, they back out the land and they start depreciating everything over 27 and a half or 39 years. Whereas if you do a cost segregation study, now you pick up a lot more depreciation in the early years and less in the later years. And you know, a dollar saved today is worth a lot more in 30 years. So 
that's what cost segregation does, and that's how it helps people in the real estate industry. And a wonderful thing about cost segregation is if you do that and you're five years into a property, you get to pick up all that missed depreciation in year five. Right. So you get to you get to look back over those past five years that you own the property and uh, and maximize uh, will accelerate some of the depreciation. Right. And and just to be clear for those listeners out there, cost segregation. Do you want to explain a little bit about what that is when it relates to real estate investing? Sure. Cost segregation is when uh, you have a professional come in, and typically an engineer, and they break that property up into different pieces, like three-year depreciation property, five-year, seven-year, 10, 15. So they'll take your landscaping, okay? Uh, and maybe that'll be 15-year property, where right now it might be depreciating over 27 years. And then you have cabinets, that might be seven-year property, but it's been depreciated over 27 and a half years. So they they segregate what actually makes up that building, and they depreciate it accordingly, which turns into you know a bigger tax deduction. And if you have uh, income, it lowers your income, and you pay less tax. Interesting. So it's just about as you say, like the word says, segregating out the pieces that may not. It may they may depreciate quicker in in a, in a their effective life is a lot lower than twenty seven years, so you get to depreciate them a lot faster. Correct. Correct. So overall, you still get the same amount of depreciation. You just get more upfront, and if you get more upfront and you're able to do something with that money, it's going to be worth more over time. And with cost segregation, that's you can can you only do it once, or how often do you do it? Say if you own a property for twenty years. Well, you, you would typically only do it once um, because you it would cover everything that's in that property. And uh, ideally, if you did it once and then you went out and you added a new boiler, you wouldn't depreciate that boiler over 27 and a half years. Interesting. Interesting. So, mate, talk to me a little bit about the biggest mistakes you see small business owners making regarding their taxes. The biggest is, you know, failing to plan. No planning goes into taxes. You know, it's like their biggest expense but they think of it, oh, God, if I talk to that accountant, it's only going to cost me money. When I say, you know what, it should be, you know, speaking with your accountant should really be a income item. So, so that's the biggest, you know, just failing to plan, failing to communicate. And, you know, the doctor doesn't call you up and say, how are you feeling today? You have to go to the doctor for your checkup. Uh, it should work the same way. You should communicate on a regular basis with your professional. And what sort of advice are you giving to the business owners these days? Given that we live in this new economy, um, particularly, say, sort of business who, who maybe do business outside the United States or, or importing stuff, have any of the, the latest you know, uh, governmental changes changed the way we, we are doing approaching taxation when it comes to business? Well, I mean, when you're dealing outside the country, you know, there's a lot of reporting requirements. Uh, you you want to make sure it's worthwhile. And we have a lot of, uh, you know, clients that are outside the country or have businesses located out the, outside the country. Compliance wise, there's a lot you need to do there. Um, and the U.S. obviously taxes you on your worldwide income. So it's taxable here. Uh, so probably more planning has to go in there because you have to account not just for the U.S., but for what's going on in that country. Sure. No, that's, that's, it makes all makes sense. Failing to plan is one of the biggest mistakes I think a lot of people make when they even get started in real estate investing. You know, they think they can just dive straight into it, but it does take a lot of planning. And, uh, you know, you're right when it comes to, you know, your tax liability is a huge, huge portion of whether it be investing in businesses or investing in, in real estate. So how can businesses owners use their CPA to their advantage throughout the year and not just go to them, you know, January 21st, three months before they have to uh, submit their paperwork? 
Well, they need to communicate with them and they need to make sure that they're working with somebody that will communicate with them and, and show them, point out the different things that they can do throughout the year. Okay. And even get into the whole, you know, entity structure. How, how are you holding your entities? Are you holding them in your personal name? You'd be surprised how many people are holding, you know, multiple pieces of property in their personal name. Um, there's no liability protection there. and I'm not an attorney, but you know, you, you want to point that stuff out. Um, and, and just taking the time to plan, seeing what you can do, you know, do you, you know, do you need them? Do you have enough property? Does it justify a management company by having a management company? You know, is that going to give you more deductions? You know, there's a whole host of things like that. And then you know, a lot of times what we see with people in real estate where they have all these passive losses and um, they can't take advantage of them. And what we want to do is we want to find other sources of passive income. And sometimes it can be they may have a business. And um, we had one client where they, they had a business and they all, it was a wholesale business, but they also had like a little retail counter in the back. And, you know, we set that up as a separate business and it provided passive income, which was offset by the passive losses from the real estate. So you have to think, what can I do? Right. Now, just quickly define what a passive loss is when it comes to real estate, just for all those listeners out there who may not understand that. Pretty much, you know, most real estate um, income and loss is passive unless you're a true real estate professional and you're working, you know, over 750 uh, hours a year. It's more than 50% of the total time you work in any other industry. So the typical person that's not focused fully on real estate is going to be considered passive. Got it. Got it. So there's those losses against the income, the other income that they uh, earn throughout the year, right? So those losses don't affect the income. They don't reduce the income. They just sit there for using at some later date. And most people would rather use them today versus 10 or 15 years from now when they actually sell the property. So if we're able to create sources of income that's passive, you get to take those this year. Right, right. Uh, I'm sure, you know, just the taxation year has just uh, passed here in the United States. Have you been pretty busy with advising clients on different ways to create a, you know, a tax-free life? Oh, yes. We, and, and we work with our clients throughout the year. So, yeah, are we busier during you know, the typical tax reason? Yes, we're, we're busier. Um, but we work with our clients. And in order to work with us, you have to work with us throughout the year. Because it. it's not it's not fair to anybody else if if we don't work that way. <laughs> I can I can imagine that. And come as I said, come uh, the first of the year, everyone's just dumping a whole bunch of uh, receipts on your desk and saying, "Hey, help me figure this out, right?" <laughs> right, and and we we want to have a life. Right, <laughs> exactly. So, how often should a business owner communicate with their CPA throughout the year? Depending on the business they're in, um, every month to every three months, and the communication, you know, could be via emails. You know, it doesn't have to be a full-blown meeting. And, you know, with the advent of, you know, Skype, WebEx, Zoom, I mean, we have clients throughout the country and we just set up a Zoom call or a WebEx or something like that. And we have that meeting. So nobody's wasting, you know, an hour and a half of travel time or anything like that. You get to the meat of what you want to discuss and you move on and you go, they go back to running their business and we go back to doing what we do for them. Mm -hmm. So during that meeting, are you like uh, looking over the P&Ls of, of that particular business because – even even real estate has produces P and Ls. It's the income and the losses and the you know and the expenses. And you have an NOI, and then you're going to have what you're going to have to pay on on the property of the, the tax property. But then you also the income that you produce from that particular property or business. So, 
do you do a review of your P&L with the, the particular business owner during that call? It, it depends on a call. We may not do that review every month depending on what we need to discuss. Right. But we're doing that at least quarterly, yes. Got it, got it. And with the, in terms of the liability portion of it, you, you briefly hit, hit on that. You know, Some people are owning ta- um, real estate in their personal name. And you, you, with the entity structuring, are you advising people on the entity structure that would best suit them from a taxation purpose? Because entity structuring has obviously two two purposes, right? Like legality uh, liability and then the taxation liability. So what are the best uh, types of entities in your mind uh, for a business from a taxation point of view? So, so if we're talking about real estate and holding real estate, typically, and you know, I'm going to say uh, typically a piece of real estate is best held inside of an LLC. All right. There's not a real change in taxation per se, but it has to do with, God forbid, somebody gets hit by a truck um, and the step up that you get for that property versus if it's inside a corporation, then you get a step up for the stock, not the property. So, um, but we'd like to work, you know, whenever possible, we, we like to work with their attorney to make sure, you know, um, they're doing everything right. And, you know, nine times out of 10, if it's in an entity, they'll put it into an LLC. But there's countless times we come across clients where there's, you know, multiple entities and they're in their personal name. And uh, I've seen some horror stories, unfortunately. You know, people think, well, I have insurance. Well, insurance doesn't always cover everything. We had a client where uh, they got sued for a mold-induced injury and the limit on their policy for mold was $25,000. And uh, they wound up losing, you know, um, in a kangaroo court, and it cost them 150000 If If it was in an entity and maybe it wasn't worth that much money, um, they could have taken the property and they would have been done. Right. And that's, that's a good – you raise a good point in terms of the exposure um, from an insurance – I know you're not an insurance expert, but from an exposure point of view, would you sort of advise your clients, given that you've seen so many different businesses across your your 15 years of experience, where they may need to tighten up on their insurance, or not tighten up, but you know, get more of, a, of an excess policy on, like, as you just said, mold $25,000. Who would have thought that you'd need more than 25 grand? But you know, what, what are the other things that you see that you've seen, quote unquote, horror stories? Oh, just, you know, loans and the way loans are, you know, signed for and set up and stuff like that, especially, you know, when, when, when things go bad. Um, but the, the, I would say the biggest horror story is, you know, wrong entity. It's not an entity and that no protection, which is, you know, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, I can imagine. So when, um, when you, as a business grows and they start bringing on employees, regardless if it's a, a real estate investing business or just a, a normal, you know, retail business, does it, does the, does the entity structure or do you, Change, should you change the entity structure to like an S corp or a C corp or something um, where it, you can pay employees or you can pay yourself? And, and if you are paying yourself, is there a better entity than just an LLC? Yes, there could be, and that's like everybody's circumstance is different. And you know, um, the wonderful thing is with an LLC, you can make elections and late elections to be taxed as a corporation or an S corporation. So it's not like you have to just go back and oh, we need to create a new entity. No, you have. You have that legal entity is an LLC, but we make a late election to be taxed a certain way. And uh, the government actually has a revenue procedure that allows you to do that, which a lot of people aren't aware aware of. Hmm, Interesting. Very, very interesting. And if you are paying yourself as a quote unquote employee, you own the business, but you're taking a paycheck. Is that advised from a taxation point of view or, or not? 
Well, if, if you're in corporation, you need to pay yourself reasonable compensation. And we have software that determines what reasonable compensation is based on your zip code and what you do. So uh, you need to do that. If you're an LLC or a partnership, you, you don't have to take reasonable compensation because all the prop profits of the company or LLC are going to flow through to you and you're going to pay Social Security tax on it anyway. Got it. Got it. So at what point would you, I know, again, it comes down to personal um, individual circumstances, but at what point would you need to transfer from an LLC to that sort of paying yourself a reasonable S-corp uh, type of uh, income? If, you, if you're making money, okay, um, you should definitely be having that conversation. Got it. Got it. So if you're, if you're trying to be a full-time, you know, you know, business, you're trying to pay yourself to keep your own bills paid, you know, kids, kids in school and mortgage paid and all that sort of stuff. That's the point where you should come to someone like yourself to say, Hey, um, I think I'm struggling here and, and an LLC and living off the profits once a year isn't, isn't doing it right. Right. Exactly. Got it. Got it. So Craig, what are the 10 most expensive tax mistakes to, that cost business owners thousands and thousands of dollars? I'll, I'll just go through them really quick. We talked about some of them. One was failing to plan. <clears throat> One is audit paranoia. You know, nobody wants to get a letter from the IRS, all right? But if the government says you could do something and you're going to do it, document it, and you'll be okay. Let them send you a letter. Now you have the documentation, and we send it back to them, and we're fine. Um, we talked about the wrong business entity, uh, wrong retirement plan or no retirement plan. In the real estate industry, you know, employing family, you know, what can I do? How can I do that? How, how can I do it legitimately? Missing what we call a medical expense reimbursement plan that lets you write off all your out-of-pocket medical expenses. Um, the home office, your car and truck expenses, meals and entertainment, you know, cost segregation. That's probably 10 right there. Nice. Well, you, you covered a lot here and, you know, audit paranoia and uh, no retirement. I just want to quickly touch on no retirement plan. You know, a lot of real estate investors invest in real estate as their retirement vehicle. I have a lot of investors who invest their uh, self-directed IRA uh, with, with in, in some, of the, some of the deals we've taken down. But what else, what other sort of advice are you giving from a taxation point of view to those people who may or may not have a, an IRA or a self-directed IRA? Look at the, you know, it's free money that the government's going to give you. You're going to get a deduction for putting that money away and then figure out a way to use it to your advantage. Right. What do, what's your best, do you like a... Is it a Roth or a um, – I, I forget. I'm, I'm blanking right now. But there's Traditional. Some, traditional, right. Is there different ways that you know, uh, entities that you like to see set up that people can you know, pay the tax on the front end and not have to pay it on the back end? You know, it, it, de it really depends on the age of the person and what they're really looking for. All right. You know, if, if you have somebody that's got, you know, a real estate portfolio, um, they probably may not be looking to take money out of their retirement plan down the road because the idea is they're going to be generating enough income in their portfolio. So if they want the deduction now versus later, it'll, you know, it kind of rests on that. And then you have to make sure that they have the income and self-employment income that allows them to do that. So there's some planning that goes along with that. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. All right, Craig. Well, what's the biggest piece of advice, you know, takeaway piece of advice you can give to all my listeners today uh, about being uh, having a tax-free life? Communicate with your professional. If you don't talk to him, he can't help you. And if you talk to him and he won't help you, go someplace else. <laughs> I completely agree. And I think it also starts a little bit with creating that team, right? Some people out there 
don't even have a solid, you know, taxation accountant on their on their team on their bench. They just they just wafting through life and trying to you know make ends meet on their business and not actually consulting the right types of people. So I think that would be a pretty pretty big one, right? And they can come to yeah. to you, right? Yeah, you should have a team. You know, you should have a banker or somebody that helps you raise money. You should have that person. You know, for your legal advice, you ha- should have that person for the accounting and tax issues. You you need that, you know, just like, you know, people have a coach. You, you should have all these other people. Right, right. So, Craig, what does the future hold for you personally, both personally and professionally? Oh, we're continuing um, to build our business. We're doing tax planning across the country. Um, we just recently picked up a client in New Mexico and Oregon. So we're doing what we love. Nice. Nice stuff, man. Uh, well, I want, I want to thank you for jumping on the show. But before you go, I want to get into the top five investing tips. Ready to dive into it? Sure. Mate, what is the daily habit that you've practiced to keep on track towards your goals? Oh, that's an easy one. Every morning, first thing I do uh, after I have my glass of water is I write in my journal something that I'm thankful for. You're, you're a big journaler? Yes. Uh, when did you start that? I, only about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Only about a year ago. Same with here. I only started about a year ago and it, I tell you what, it's, uh, it just it declutters the, the mind, doesn't it? Like you have a lot of things, you wake up in the, you know, in the morning, you go, 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 because there's so much things to do. Getting it on, on a piece of paper is just, I don't know, it's something about it so basic, but it just helps. It helps me personally, you know, tremendously. So uh, good stuff. Uh, yes. wh- what is the most, or who is the most influential person in your career to date? I, I would say my brother, uh, because like I said, I came from uh, a, a place where pretty much all of us went into, you know, civil service, blue collar jobs. And my brother was one of the few that, you know, ventured out and he went into business on his own. And uh, he was a big inspiration and um, helped me get to where I am today. Nice stuff. What did uh, what business did he go out and start? He, he's in the IT business and um, teaching. Uh, I really don't even understand what he does, to tell you the truth. <laughs> He's some, something in IT, but he but he but he took action and he got out there and started his own business. Exactly. Yeah, that's, exactly. Uh, and that's way inspiring. Over, way over my head. <laughs> hey man, it's my IT's over a lot of people's heads. You're not you're not alone there. Uh, what is the most influential tool in your business? I'm sure you have to have one, being that you are connected uh, across the country and internationally. Yeah, Skype, Zoom, and Webex. Yeah, I love love it. I, yeah. I, I haven't used Webex. Is that good? Oh, it's, it's great. It's great. Um, we use that a lot. And, you know, you know, we do one of the things that we do is we also offer outsourced CFO services. Mm -hmm. So that allows us, instead of us being in the office next door to you, that allows us to be miles and miles away. And just like we're in the office next door. Nice. And that's a service more for businesses breaking into that where they need a some titles in the company, right? They're starting to attract more capital and to have a quote unquote CFO is very, very important to, to those investors coming on board, right? Right. And, it, and it's also for those where they have multiple projects out there mm-hmm. and they need somebody that's going to manage all the whole accounting for them. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And do you guys do uh, any bookkeeping and stuff in-house? Yes, we do. If, if you're a client of, of ours, um, we are doing your bookkeeping. Nice, nice. Okay, we'll have to write that down. But so, but you're saying WebEx, Zoom, and Skype. I love it. Uh, what is the biggest failure in your career, and what have you learned? What is the, the most valuable lesson you learned from that failure? Probably 2007, eight, nine, when the economy tanked. We we had a lot of clients in the mortgage uh, industry, and uh, it put a big hurting on us. 
So, uh, yeah, so we, we learn not to be too concentrated with any one client and any one industry. Right. Having that, that sort of table set up with the four or five legs to help you support your business because, you know, if you're too reliant on that one leg and it falls over, then you don't have a table anymore, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, Craig, last question is where can people reach you to continue the conversation? Oh, great. Well, we are going to uh, offer your listeners a copy of my most recent book, which is The 10 Most Expensive Tax Mistakes That Cost Business Owners Thousands. And they can get that at www.craigcodyandcompany.com forward slash Reed Goosens, R-E-E-D-G-O-O-S-S-E-N-S. Um, they could reach me via email at craig at ccodycpa.com. And our phone number here is 516-869-4051. Nice stuff. And if people are on Amazon, they can pick up The Secrets of a Tax-Free Life as well, right? That's available on Amazon, yes. And that's a book I co-authored that was actually a bestseller. Nice. Well, hey, man, congratulations. I, uh, I'm about to release a book myself. I don't know how you got to bestseller, but I might have to pick your brain sometime. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, Craig, thank you so much for jumping on today's show. I just want to quickly recap on some of the things that we spoke about. You know, the biggest thing is about communication with your team and, and having the right team members set up around you. I talk a lot about on this show about the different team members, having a good taxation attorney. Um, a consultant who who has got your back and is communicating with you effectively is really 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 important. And you know we we ran through very quickly the top ten things that people are paranoid about: <laughs> audit paranoia, um, you know, not establishing the right business entity, uh, employing family members, different aspects like that. When you need to transition from an LLC to an S corp, if you are wanting to take a a paycheck, um, did I leave anything out? No, you pretty much hit them all. All right, mate. Well, look, thank you so much again for jumping on the show. Have a great rest of your week and we'll catch up soon. Thank you very much. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, there you have it. Another incredible episode brought to you by Craig Cody. He is an incredible guy. Please, if you have any questions for him or you have, you know, want to check out any of the links on today's show, please jump over to my website at www.reedgoosens.com and remember to click on the podcast tab. Okay, all right, guys, I want to thank you all again for taking some time out of your day to tune in to continue to grow your financial IQ. It's what we're all about on this show, sharing the knowledge, making you more uh, educated so you can go out and make the, you know, right investing decisions and take action. Um, I will do this all again next week. So take care, be safe, and remember, happy investing.